Welcome to iCommunicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. All right, good morning. Welcome to iCommunicate. And it's funny, before I get into the show today, I was looking at the bottom of my laptop, and it says, Dense Fog. And I thought, what an appropriate way to end 2021 with a dense fog, Ted, right? I am in total agreement. (laughs) This is one of those days where the expression being like a mushroom really applies. (laughs) I mean, there's a dense fog over the information we get. There's a dense fog over our environment. I just want to roll over and go back to sleep, man. Yeah, so, you know, as we head into 2022, a lot of people, as always this time of year, are talking about goals and New Year's resolutions and things like that. But we're going to take a different approach to that because there's plenty of resources for that. You know, I work with so many companies on goals around habit change specifically. And usually when executives or entrepreneurs go to set goals, they're tied into financial goals or operational goals or uh, sales goals. And so when they think of goal, it's how am I going to help my company grow and improve? You're saying something that's measurable, something that we can approach later and make a comparison to. Yes, yes. But I, I, the point of this is no matter what goals you set, they should be measurable. But what I'm trying to impart on companies and executives is your goals tend to be very focused on bottom line kind of goals that are clear ROI, sales, finance, operations. And what I'm thinking is, what else contributes to your bottom line? And that's people. And so there's an organization I'm working with right now who they brought me in to help with their leadership and communication, yet all the goals for their leaders they're, they're, are, are based on sales numbers. So if you aren't engaging your employees, if you're not retaining your employees, if you're not developing and getting them to a next level of skill and knowledge, yeah, that kind of stinks, but you know what? No big deal because I'm not measured on that anyway. I'm just measured on my sales goals. So I want, I want you to listen to the show, and I want you to think of goals from a different place. And I want you to think of goals from the place of habits, less around operational finance sales. And we've talked about it on the show off and on in 2021, and the habit starts with managing yourself. So what are the habits, you know, you talk about New Year's resolutions, what are the habits that you want to do in 2022 relating to managing yourself? And what's funny is, as I always do when I'm researching for the show, I looked up the definition of managing yourself on Google, and this is what it said, Ted. Managing yourself means you can complete tasks without supervision and direction. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's, that's true. That's a piece of it. One of the things that uh, I hearken back to is in order to organize myself, I have to start first thing in the morning. And what my uh, uncles and my dad taught me was that when you get out of bed, you make your bed. And before you leave the room, you dress completely. 
Well, I've got it's so funny, Ted. So as you're saying that, um, there is a famous commencement address. Um, the University of Texas Austin, Admiral William McRaven. It's a 10-minute clip on YouTube, if you haven't seen it. It's on the importance of making your bed. And what's interesting that you bring that up is that when I talk about habits and managing yourself, so my girlfriend just bought Cole the book, Make Your Bed, and left it right on his bed. And what I said to my girlfriend a couple of days ago is I said, you know, I, I feel like I'm missing something with him because I have told him the importance of making his bed, but what he is not getting is doing a good job at it. So, you know, he'll pull up the sheets and the, the blankets and so it looks barely presentable as if it's made. But to Ted's point, when you talk about making your bed, you're setting the tone for the day with an accomplishment, with, and I've talked about this on the show before, you know what it's like when you walk into a clean, organized room versus a chaotic, messy room. So you're setting the tone with an accomplishment. You're getting clean space that feels safe and comfortable and not chaotic. And that is a great example. Just that one habit, you start the day and manage yourself. However, the challenge as always as you explore 2022 is, how do, you, how do you start the habit? Because if you're listening to the show and you're like, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I could see how making my bed would be helpful. But if you're not making your bed at all or consistently, how do you start making your bed? And we're going to get into that a little bit on the show today. But we're talking about managing yourself. So, yes, you can complete tasks without supervision or direction. But it's really the emotional intelligence piece. It's really being self-aware of things like you're losing your patience, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're trying to multitask, and anybody who multitasks can't do anything well. You are setting goals without action plans, and you're thinking before you speak. Like, those are the kinds of habits I'm talking about with managing yourself. And, you know, what happens is, if you start out, and Ted, this is where the absolute challenge that I see is, if you say, I'm going to be more patient in 2022, which is hard for the majority of the human race, here's the problem. It has to be a smart goal, right? So you'd, this is how it works, and I want everybody to hear this process. It starts out with, I'm going to be more patient in 2022, not measurable. So now I say, every time I feel myself losing my patience... I want to behave differently. I want to respond and not react. Okay, we're getting closer. Okay, but here's, here's what it comes down to. You would have to track and be aware of the times during the day and week where you're losing your patience. And this is why habit change goals are very hard for people when they're around communication and emotional intelligence. Because if you, t if you dial it back a step further, what you really have to do is slow down enough during the day to be mindful and to be reflective. So let's just say at the end of every day, you allotted 10 minutes and you had two habits you were working on. One, two, and notice the difference in my words. Not, I'm going to be more patient. I would change your habit to recognizing opportunities when you could be more patient. So let's go even earlier in the process. So if you say my two habits are, 
I want to recognize opportunities to be more patient, and I want to recognize opportunities to think before I speak. Well, the idea is if during the day those opportunities come up, ideally you're recognizing those opportunities. But up until now, you probably aren't consistently recognizing them. So what if at the end of the day, 10 minutes, you thought to yourself, hey, were there any opportunities where I could have thought before I spoke today or, or thought before I wrote today? Yeah, there were. Okay. So now you're keeping it on top of mind. So habit change starts with the mindfulness aspect. You can't change a habit until you catch yourself in the act of doing it. And so when you make proclamations heading into 2022, like I want to be more patient, I want to think before I speak, there's a habit earlier than that is to recognize opportunities to do it. And, I, and what I tell people about mindfulness that I, I really try to reinforce with people, there is no statute of limitations on mindfulness. So for instance, if, you, if someone was disrespectful to you or was condescending and you didn't think before you spoke and your reaction wasn't what you wanted to be, and three days later, it came to your head and you said, geez, I remember Mark talked about thinking before you speak on the radio show. Yeah, I didn't do it in that situation. Good for you. You get points for that. Because you were still mindful of the opportunity to do it. And even though you didn't do it, you were still mindful. You know, in a perfect world, you've got before, during, and after. And the three-day statute of limitations, it doesn't exist with mindfulness as long as you're being mindful. Now, if you do it during, let's say Ted says something disrespectful to me, which he never has. Let's never. Say, let's say Ted says something disrespectful to me, and I'm like, you know, Ted, I don't appreciate that. And then I say, actually, can, Ted, would it be okay if I start over? Because I'd like to think about what I want to say here. All right. So that's during. So if you're about to do something and you start it, and then you slow yourself down enough to reflect and say, hey, what do I want to do here? That's the during. The before is I got to go talk to Ted. Ted works for me in my dreams. Ted works for me, and he hasn't been doing something he's supposed to be doing as part of the job. And I've talked to him a couple of times previously about it. So the before mindfulness is, listen, I know if I approach Ted in this conversation the same way I did the previous two times, I'm probably going to get the same result. He's probably going to respond the way he did the last two times. So... If I want to change the outcome, what could I do differently in this conversation? And how do I anticipate Ted's going to react? That's the before act of mindfulness. So we come back from the next break. We're going to continue talking about habit change around goals, but we're going to get into FOPO, not FOMO, FOPO. For Mark Altman, this is I Communicate. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, well, welcome back to I Communicate. So, we're talking about a different spin on goals, habit goals. And I, I want to just say one other thing before I get into FOPO. I want to just talk about the word time for a minute. Because every goal, and I want you to, I want you to prove me wrong. Every goal you have, smart goal, starts with time. So if you say, I want to do a financial goal, an operational goal, an emotional intelligence goal, a communicate, I don't care. You're going to need time to achieve the goal. So the question becomes, 
How do I motivate you to take time to think and reflect? Like, how do I, if you're, if you're, if you're someone I'm doing executive coaching with, how do I motivate you to say, you know what, it is worth taking 15 minutes out of the day to think and reflect on who I am, how I'm leading, how I'm coming across to others around me in my environment, how they see me, how they perceive me, how I perceive myself. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm asking it rhetorically because I do know how to do it. And the way you motivate people to take time is not to tell them the benefits of taking time. It's to get them to articulate the benefits of taking the time. So a lot of leaders, when they're trying to motivate habit change, they'll say things like, listen, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to take 15 minutes. And if you take those 15 minutes, here's the good news. Here's what you're going to get. Here's what the result's going to be. And that's really not an effective way to motivate people. The way you motivate people, and this is what I do for a living, so I feel like I do have some authority on this. You know, the way you motivate people is to ask them questions to why it would be beneficial and valuable to them. So with my son, as I've said this before, I can tell them the benefit of making his bed, that it's less chaotic and it's more comfortable, but he's the one that really needs to articulate it. Because if he sees the value and he sees the benefit, then it's going to make a big difference. And the way you, the way you manage people when you're an authority figure as a leader, as a parent, as a coach, this is why Ted and I talk about this managing yourself component, because you really can't be an effective manager of people if you don't know how to manage yourself. And the example is, Ted, and I'd love your thoughts on this, the example is that managing myself is I know I want someone to be motivated to do something differently than they're currently doing. Managing myself is, what's my strategy going to be? How am I going to approach that conversation? Am I going to ask questions and listen, or am I going to make statements and tell? Right. Uh, One of the things about being an effective leader is setting an example, but it's also in the flow. You have to not be rigid in your thinking and actually hear what the audience is saying to you, whether it's an external audience or an internal audience, you have to be able to listen and roll with it and show leadership through your comfort in a prickly situation. That spreads like wildfire. Ted, do you know, I don't know if you've seen it, on Route 9, um, right around where we are at the radio station, there is a, a Rockland Trust billboard it is my favorite billboard of all time. This slogan, I'm, I, I've got to find a way to steal it. This is the slogan on the billboard. Rockland Trust Bank, we're listeners, not tellers. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, every time uh, I drive by and I see that, I'm like, that's brilliant. Who's I want to go make a deposit, man. Right? So, <laughs> I so, want my piece of the Rockland. So, so that was very good. Point for dead on that. That was very good. So... So what are we talking about here? We're talking about prioritizing time. We're talking about if you manage your own strategy, your approach in communicating with people, and you're able to manage that, you're going to have a better effect on managing others. Now, look, we all know what FOMO is, right? FOMO is the fear of missing out. Now, what's interesting about FOMO is FOMO can be very detrimental to organizations because often people feel the need to be involved in every meeting, in every discussion, CC'd on every email. Anything that produces the derision of exclusion 
is negative. That's it's right. In, in an organization. Well said. Whether it's six kids playing four square or it's 2,700 people trying to achieve a profit margin. Yeah, and, and so what's interesting is we're seeing a lot of companies, this trend in 2021, we're seeing companies have more meetings because people aren't reading their emails and keeping up. So so people aren't up to speed on what's going on. We better have a meeting because that's the only way they're going to be in the know. right? So that, talk about enabling behavior. So when you think of FOMO, if I have a, a, an executive that says to me, you know, we, we learn one of their challenges is they do have that fear of missing out. Again, I'm not going to try to convince the executive why it's okay for them to miss out. I'm going to try to get to the root cause of what are they really afraid of? Like, where, what are you worried you're going to miss out on and how do you think that's going to impact you? So that's FOMO, right? FOMO, you know, and again, I joke about this all the time. If I was to call up a company and they say, well, the problem is time management, well, the problem may be FOMO. It may have nothing to do with time management because if they could solve FOMO, then they would have more time, right? But I, I, I found FOPO. And FOPO, talk about managing yourself, Ted. FOPO is the fear of other people's opinions. And I've, I've alluded to this on the show before. Um, a few good men with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. You know, you can't handle the truth. And what I find with people is Sometimes people really struggle with feedback and opinions because what they tell themselves when they hear the feedback. So if you're working with someone and you tell them, you know, you're, you're, you need to be more effective at the projects you're working on. You're not doing effective enough job on the projects. You don't know what the person does with that feedback. The person could take that feedback and start being very self-critical and beating themselves up and reminding themselves why they're not good at what they do. And it could take them down a bad path. Truth. Oh, that, can you do that one more time, Ted? Can you, is it too quick? To you re- can't handle the truth. Oh, it's brilliant. So, now listen, I'm not, I'm not, my, my point here is to not, not give constructive feedback to people. That's not where I'm going. But what I am saying is the impact of feedback on others and how they personally process it and where their life templates and experiences when they've received constructive or critical feedback in the past. So when you have fear of other people's opinions, it doesn't automatically mean you're closed off to feedback or you're resistant to feedback. It just mean it could mean that when you get that feedback, it affects your confidence. You know, you and I have spoken about this in many different ways on this show. And one of the things that you came up with several shows back was uh uh how you arrange it when you speak it. Yes. Now, if you say with a prefix of, I don't think you can understand this, but let me tell you, versus I've got some information here and I'm having some difficulty understanding, maybe you can help me. It's the same information. It's just how it's delivered that will give you the desired result. Or not. Well, and I, and I want to I wanna just really illustrate Ted's point. It's an important point, and I want to walk through it with people. Um, anybody who's done coaching and training with me knows I rail on the word but and how what a negative word it is. And Ted's prefix suffix is a prime example because if I say something positive and then say but, you stink at this, that's horrible. That's going to totally influence the communication negatively. If I say, you know, i got to be honest, 
I thought um, the work you did on the last project wasn't up to your normal standards, but I got to tell you, you've been hitting it out of the park um, in three other areas, and I'm so proud of you, and I admire you, and thank you for your commitment to those things. So if there's a positive following it, it's so different than a negative following it. So look, we're talking about how FOPO, fear of other people's opinions, can affect confidence. And I want to remind our listeners what the three aspects of a person's confidence are, because when we go into our next segment, I want you to have this framework. Three things that make up a person's confidence. How you see yourself, and by the way, managing yourself, right? How you see yourself, how others see you, and what we're going to talk about for the rest of the show today is how you think others see you. And that's that fear of other people's opinions. So when it comes to FOPO and fear of other people's opinions, the question is, do, do you have some fear around that? And if so, why? What are you worried about? What are the concerns? What does constructive feedback mean to you? When you hear it, how do you manage yourself? How do you process that information when you're getting opinions from other people? And last thing is, what is the, what is the consequence of not getting that feedback and not knowing truly how people see you and think of you. So we come back from our next segment. We're going to talk about just that. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. You're listening to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. You know, before before we continue on with, with FOPO and the consequences of not knowing how people see you, I got to tell you, Ted, I don't know what it is as I get older. I'm driving in the car with my girlfriend last, yesterday, and the song Daydream Believer by Anne Murray comes on. And I'm thinking, I don't know what it is about her voice. Like, it's so ridiculously soothing. So, okay, so we're talking about the consequences of not being aware of how others truly see and perceive you. So here's what it comes down to, right? So let's talk about instead of the consequences just yet, let's talk about different ways you can obtain the feedback that could be more palatable for you in different processes. So I think, Ted, you know, we, we hear this phrase, low-hanging fruit. And I think one of the ways that we can get feedback is performance reviews. And so a lot of times when I'm meeting with a coaching client, one of the first questions in the very first meeting I ask them is, I want you to give me three answers. If I was to talk to someone that worked for you, if I was to talk to a peer, and if I was to talk to your boss, tell me what you're self-aware of that they would say about you constructively. It's one of the first questions I ask. And when I hear them say, geez, you know what, I, I don't really know what my boss would say. I think there's low-hanging fruit. Hopefully you're getting performance reviews, because I know a lot of people aren't even getting performance reviews right now. But that's an easy thing, right? It doesn't even require you asking people anything. It's just go look at your performance review and see what, see what recommendations were made and ask yourself, have you addressed any of those recommendations? And I'm not going to get into a performance review discussion no, today because no. that's a whole different topic because, frankly, the annual performance review is outdated. The, that model is outdated anyway. But my point is you've got performance reviews. You've also got asking. So who can you ask? Well, there's certain people you're going to feel more comfortable ask. What you're going to find is that if you, I don't care whether it's your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your spouse, your boss, your peer, I don't care who it is. Go ask someone. Try this out. Go ask someone. 
hey, you know what? I'm trying to grow personally and professionally. Would you share with me some areas I could improve and develop? Good luck. Because who wants to be that person who's going to be like, and I've said this on the show before, Ted, can you imagine going to your wife? Hey, how could I be a better husband? Your wife's going to open up that can of worms? Would she, she, actually, your wife might, would she? Oh, well, yeah, she'd open the can of worms, the can of coffee. The, <laughs> that, like, shall we go on? No, I don't think it's necessary. Go ahead. So, so the point is, when you ask someone for feedback to know how they see you and how they perceive you, the question's the easy part. Making them comfortable enough to answer it, that's the hard part. Because you're trying to create a safety and comfort zone. I had a guy, I think he was 23 or 24 years old uh, this summer, who a colleague of mine asked me to, to have a session with him. He was kind of struggling to find his way. And one of the assignments I gave him is to ask significant people in this life. And what I coached him to say, Ted, is I said, here's what's going to happen. The first time you ask, people are going to kind of hedge and not really want to give you the answer. Mm -hmm. So when they do that, I want you to say, listen, I understand you don't want to hurt my feelings or make me feel bad about myself, but I'm asking you. Like, I really want to know. Like, this is a goal for me. This is a priority for me to get better. And it's that second layer back that really, I find, creates that psychological safety yeah, for people. Yeah, where the rubber heats the road, yeah. Yeah. And so the asking the questions, sometimes we think, well, i got to ask my boss, which it would be valuable to ask your boss, but there's so many other places you can get feedback from if you're not comfortable asking your boss. Again, friends, family, colleagues, managers. What about people at past jobs? What about a boss at a previous job you had that you had a great relationship with that you could call them on the phone and say, Hey, I really cherished our relationship in the past. You know, I would love, now that we've had some time to reflect, is there anything that you wish you would have told me or areas of development? But I think the thing is, is when we're talking about getting the feedback, there's barriers. One, are you comfortable asking? Do you want to know the truth? Two, if you do want to know, who are you going to ask? Who do you respect and trust? Know that they will give you feedback in a way that's respectful and manageable. And then three, how do you make that person comfortable to give you that feedback? Because I got to tell you right now, I work with a plenty of C-suite executives who won't have that difficult conversation with the people they work for them because, and here's the thing, Ted, here's what we're seeing. With the great resignation, do I really want to go down that road and have that person be pissed off that I don't like how they're doing certain things? That's one thing. The second thing is, will they hold a grudge and will it impact, impact their level of engagement and commitment in the right. company? And third, as the leader, part of the reason why I feel leaders struggle to have those conversations is because they don't know how to do it effect, effectively. And, and I think... Well, you know, the, a, a, another part of it is, can they do it with themselves? Can, mm. they, can they evaluate their own performance before they go out and evaluate others. And if they, if they can't do that first, then it's going to be a struggle from that point on. Well, and that's a, that's a perfect segue. And, and before I get into the point Ted, just made, Ted made, I want to just add one last thing. You know, how you deliver information to people, um, whether it's written or verbal, um, is huge, right? The, what you say, how you say it, your body language, your written words. And that's why... You know, I've said this on the show before, is when people say, well, they can't handle the feedback, I would ask you, well, how do you give it to them? 
Because if you ask someone, if you say they can't handle it, that implies that you're an expert on giving feedback and they're a, they have no idea how to receive it. And I would venture to say it's probably somewhere in the middle. So that's a piece. The delivery piece is yeah. huge. Now, to Ted's point, I think it's an enormous point. And the third way we're talking about of how to ask this is surveys. Now, here's the thing about surveys. 360 feedback, Ted. I give the most simple 360 feedback um, tool to companies. And this is what it is. It's so simple and quick. You ask four questions. And the four questions are, what do you want Ted to start doing that he isn't? What do you want him to stop doing that he is? What do you want him to continue doing that you love? And what do you want him to improve on that he's already doing? Four questions. Start, stop, continue, improve. And what I find is, to your point, that if you show a vulnerability and you say to your team and your peers, hey, I want to know. Like, I want to know how you see me. I want to know how you perceive me. You've modeled a behavior. So now when you go to deliver that feedback, they know you're willing to take it as well as dish it out. Dare I say they're obligated now. Kind of, right? Yeah. And so that's the thing about 360 feedback. And what I, what I think gets in the way at times in corporations and organizations is they turn the 360 feedback process into a federal, federal production. Right. Four questions. Just ask four right. questions. And again, I, I want to comment on this is there's two, there's two flaws, though, in these 360 feedbacks. Number one, um, people are uncomfortable putting their name on the feedback. So what happens is if I do, and I do this quite a bit, if there's a five-person team, we will do an anonymous feedback collection, and then I will present it to the leader in a consolidated format so they don't know who said what, and oh, it's consolidated. God. I, I got to tell you a little story. Okay. I'm sorry, because I did this with a group of people working with me, and they all agreed they didn't want to put their name on it. And when, when they passed them in to me, I went in the other room and made like a turban and did Carmack. Oh, that's and, awesome. And the room went nuts, you know. And, and everybody was much more comfortable with the idea that we're, we weren't evaluating each other or ourselves. We were identifying facts that we can use. And that's how I brought it to a close. I love that. I love yeah, that. Uh, it's, um, so, 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 Ted, so the challenge, though, is people, people often don't trust that it's truly anonymous, um, so they get fearful. Right. But when you're getting 360 feedback from one individual, for you to be able to do that, you're going to have to have quite a relationship built around trust because otherwise it needs to be done in a collective way because the trust may not exist. So two other ways, really quickly, before we move on, to get this information. And I, and I want to take a step back and just remind our listeners of something. If you think someone thinks something about you, if you think that they think you're moody, you're a micromanager, you're bitchy, I would say to you in our first coaching session, how do you know? Because for you to truly discern, it may not be anybody sees you as a micromanager, but you have guilt and patterns of micromanagement, but it's not how people see you. Is it really empirical evidence or is it? Exactly. So, so the whole thing about 
feedback is stop as you head into 2022 and ask yourself the question, how do I think others see me and do I know for sure? Because that in itself, if you can discern between things you have empirical evidence and proof of, that's affecting your confidence. If you think other people see you as moody or a micromanager, that is going to affect your ability to lead. So that's a critical piece is discerning between how do, how do people see me and how do I know the truth? So when we come back for our next segment, I'm going to get into the final two pieces of how to get that feedback and then a plan moving forward to address it. So for I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. We're talking about 2022 and not going through the same old New Year resolution process, the same old let me build my smart goal process. It's shift your thought process to habit goals, things around time, making time to do the things that you know are going to set yourself up for success. And so we're talking about FOPO, which is fear of other people's opinions, and how to find out the truth, how to find out how people really do perceive and see you instead of just assuming the worst and defaulting to the negative. So in our last segment, we talked about the opportunity to go through performance reviews, to ask questions, to do 360s. And there's two others, right? One is ask your coach. And so if you have an executive coach, and let me just stress this one point, your job as an executive coach is to be a non-judgmental sounding board. So the idea is, if you're, an, if you're a good executive coach, you should be able to deliver feedback in an effective way that the person can hear it. I mean, that's part of your training and foundation as an executive coach. But it's the fifth one, Ted, that really stuck out to me. And I'd never heard this before, and I love it. So the fifth way to get feedback, you ready for this? All right. Is when people introduce you, what words do they use? Right? And... Do various people use the same words to describe you? So, for example, if I was to introduce Ted, do you know what, Ted, I'm going to ask you, do you know the first word I would use to describe you? No, seriously, do you, do you know what I would say? Uh, no, no, enlighten me. I would say wise. Oh, like, I would say incredibly wise, a breadth of knowledge on multiple top topics. That's wow. really the first thing I would say. Wow. So, here's the thing, right? So this is what I want our listeners to pick up on. What would happen if Ted took a lot of pride in um, his communication skills? Okay? And what would happen if Ted reflected back and thought, let me think of the last five people that introduced me and how did they describe me? Wow, it's funny. No one ever talks about my communication skills. That's interesting. No, it doesn't mean Ted has bad communication skills. But if you're listening to how people talk about you, how people describe you, right? And here's an example. I had a client that people that would told me that people often introduced him as a fixer. People would say things like, this is a guy who never met a problem he couldn't solve, right? Well, that may be great, but is that how he wants to be seen? Is that the right. primary way? And what, what are people not saying right. that they'd want to know? And by the way, I would say, Ted, one of the big drawbacks of a potential drawbacks of a fixer 
is they may be not great at listening because they may be in problem-solving mode all the all time. The time yeah. So we don't know. But the point being is, if you listen to how people introduce you, do they use the same word? Do various people use the same words to describe you? What are they not saying? And on a performance review, if you take pride in your ability to delegate projects and tasks, and that is not part of the right, feedback right. you get on a performance review, like, isn't there a part of you that says, hey, you know what? You, you didn't mention delegation. What are your thoughts on my ability to delegate projects and tasks? You'd have to want to know, though. You'd have yeah. to be open to the answer. Yeah, right. But I just felt like, yes, you know you're supposed to listen, but what are you listening for? That's what stuck out to me. And by the way, you often could be listening to things, just compliments people give you or just pieces of feedback in emails or in meetings or in conversations. Just pay attention. It's like recognizing body language. Well, it's also how you interpret it. Um, often in life... It isn't what we say or even how we say it. It's how it's interpreted by the receiver. And that can set up all sorts of uh, cascading effects, positive and negative. That's right. And so, look, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is why, why do you want the feedback, right? You, we all have blind spots, right? So we all have those blind spots. Um, and I recognized a blind spot with my girlfriend and the blind spot was that I look at feedback as invaluable information for me to improve as a person, as a professional, as a father, give it to me. I want it. I want to know. So I was blind because I thought, because that was my perspective on feedback, that everybody must think that. Of course, right? And it's not true. Not at all. And I think the thing about feedback is, it's like I said earlier in the show, is that feedback means different things to different people. Knowing how to deliver it, knowing the impact it's going to have on a person's confidence, those are big aspects of I'm glad of this. you brought that up because co- coming out the gate, if you're going to interpret that people are judging you and you have to be careful about what you say or even participate in a full-fledged way because... You don't know what people are going to think. Often, that's rooted in a inadequacy complex. People don't feel adequate. They feel like they've reached a point in their life, and if they reach beyond it, they will be reaching outside of their competency. And that's not the case ever. It's when we get tested that our true self is appear. Well, and what's crazy to me, Ted, is, and I don't mean it like that, I, not crazy, it, it's just... What, struck, what, stri- what strikes me about this topic is that what is, if you were to pull everyone in the world right now, but at minimum in the United States, and you said to them, what is creating the most stress for you right now? Is there any doubt that the number one answer would be the unknown, the future, not knowing what's next? Well, the, the uncertainty principle will affect itself in any human cycle. Any way. Whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, whether it's financial instruments of any kind, you can see how the impact happens. But in a small, closed environment like a family or a a business, it rears its head immediately. Well, so that's just it. So you've got this unknown factor that so many people hate the fear of the unknown and they don't know and they want to know. Well, I got news for you. 
imagine this scenario because this is a very common scenario. You think you're being groomed for a promotion. And I would ask you, if you told me that, I would say, based on what? And then if you said to me, well, my boss told me he sees me or she sees me in this new role, I'm like, okay, but is your boss looking to see you prove anything along the way? Like, aren't there some core competencies and skills? Have you defined terms? Yeah, have you defined terms? And so this is what I mean about this fear of other people's opinions. If you have expectations of somebody that they're going to give you a raise, they're going to give you a promotion, they're going to let you continue working from home based on certain criteria, you better find out and define those things. Because if you don't define them, you're going to be upset and disappointed, and then you're going to get resentful and angry at the other person. And I would tell you, you don't really have a right necessarily because you never define terms. If you don't step up, someone will. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's so true. So I think, look, so much of giving and receiving feedback and habit goals really come down to how you treat yourself, how you manage yourself, and how the delivery role comes from the other person. I mean, this takes two to tango. But look, my wish for you in 2022 is that you reflect on three things. And this is how I'm going to end the show today. Number one, everything starts with time. Any smart goal habits you are going to create, the first habit is how will you create time to achieve these goals, to think and become more mindful of the emotional intelligence and communication habits you're trying to build. Second, you don't want ambiguity. You don't want the unknown. You want to know where you stand. And if you're struggling to collect that information, reach out to a coach. Get, get in um, a non-judgmental, non-agenda-driven sounding board so someone can help, help you craft that conversation so you can seek that feedback. Right? And the third is start paying more attention to what people are saying about you, how they're introducing you, how they're describing to you. Those two ears are so valuable, those listening tools that are on your body. And if you're going to advocate for yourself and you're going to have that as a habit, you need to define terms. You don't want surprises. You don't want to be let down. You don't want to be disappointed. And you can have an impact and control that. So I want to thank all our listeners for 2022. I look forward to another great year of I Communicate. Ted, thank you so much for your contributions and production. Thank you, my friend. If you want more information about Mindset Go, info at mindsetgo.com or call 978-793-1159. Have a wonderful new year.